Come join PleasurePassport.shop for a fun and playful destination of adult toys, monthly surprises, exclusive discounts, and a judgment-free, sex-positive community that offers comprehensive online education on safe sex practices and empowers individuals to shed shame and freely explore their sexuality. For those seeking love on a budget, they've created a Pleasure Passport newsletter and subscription box, which are both full of exclusive sales and giveaways every month. Discreetly delivered to your doorstep, these exclusive subscription packages offer limited time offers, discounts, and regular shipments of fun new toys to enjoy solo or with a partner. With Pleasure Passport, you can embrace your desires, indulge in safe exploration, and experience a world of pleasure without judgment or inhibition. Go journey together towards a more fulfilling and satisfying adult fun experience. Explore, learn, and enjoy the Pleasure Passport way. Link will be in the show notes. Stop the presses. You can go live on Twitter now. Since when is this an option? Okay. Over the weekend, I decided to test this out earlier Friday morning. Chanel from the Nerd in Texas podcast asked me to tag her if I do it. I did it. I messaged the Podcast Alliance group chat. Told them I was going to do it also. I went and did it. I showed up on my timeline as a post and I tagged Chanel in it. Then I went on my second device and tried getting on my old account. You know, MDG. Million dollar geek. Oh God, that was my childhood, man. I couldn't leave a comment. There was no way to leave a comment. There is never a way to leave a comment. Why? Why was it there if you couldn't leave a comment? There was no way to see who was there because I kept seeing two to four people come in, but it doesn't tell you at all. But it had it had a thirty second delay. So needless to say, I hope they fix that. Twitter, fix your shit, please. We uh, we like the idea of uh, live, but not if it's just going to be like you just trying to figure out how it works. The entire 15 minutes, I'm just sitting there like, hello, anybody in there? Are you? I see people are here. Can you guys say something? Can you say something in the chat? Can you even type anything? No? Okay. Thank you. Have a good night. 15 minutes of that. That 15 minutes. (sighs) But it works out where you can view it on the desktop. I'm all for that. I love that. But it's not good. It was... If it was beta beta, beta testing, it would have been... I get it. But why put something out there that doesn't work yet? Oh... It was him. He did it. I see. Way to go. But Evo, why waste your time going on Twitter Live? Ew. I wanted to test it. (laughs) I wanted to test it. That sounded so condescending. I've been on this other app. Live streaming my podcast for an entire year. That a few weeks ago, people were in a state of panic because... Said the live on the app was about to vanish. So I figure, hey, if it does, I'll just go back to TikTok live. 
to use it for the streams instead of doing videos. Which I don't do anymore because it takes a lot of time out of you. I don't I don't want to do that anymore. I'd rather podcast. I'd rather, I'd rather focus my energy on podcasting on this, what I'm doing now. Instead of just like, hey, this is my video. Hey, 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 can you like it, please? Send it to everybody that you know. Send it to people that are not even going to fucking do anything for you. That pretend to be your friends. All that. They're not, they're not your friends. So, I'll do this. I'll join another app, which I've been testing out since August. Because a friend told me that you get paid doing it. So I did that. I tried doing that. I did. I really did. But I would need a lot of supporters to come to this app and hang out with me there. And I didn't want to do that. I just... Ugh. It was horrible. I felt cheesy. I didn't know how to navigate it. So I deleted it. It was dumb. Sorry. Sorry. Whoever's listening from over there. I doubt anybody listening from that other place that I took. TikTok was the second choice and option. I'm sure if you're from there, people are rejoicing and saying, Evo, please come back. Please, Evo. There's my condescending nature again. I'm sure we get a lot more supporters on there, but I'm still not over that. Some of these Wrestle Talk creators are bashing how the community is on Twitter, which makes me think I should change it up, which I did. I barely talk about wrestling unless it's about the big four pay-per-views or something big happens in either AEW or WWE. But I still talk about wrestling in other forms of media, right? Backlot. I'm sorry. Shit. I already fucking ruined the whole thing. Backdrops and backlots. I'm going to make that my own podcast. I'm really thinking about it. But if I do go back to TikTok... Rejoice. It will probably be because the app I'm currently using dies out and gets destroyed by this massive merge that just happened between the Meet Me group. We don't know yet. Meeting is about to be burned down and get much more chaotic than it has been this entire year. We love the chaos. We love the chaos. This is Evo, and you are listening to another awesome episode where I hide from the world and come to you from under the apron. Fatherless Behavior Squad, how you doing? Welcome back to the broadcast, everyone. Last episode, I shared with y'all the Spotify wrapped analytics. And then a few days later, I get my time hop to show me the one from last year. And I kind of want to show y'all much of it. 
how much of it has changed. So let's do that right over now. So, okay, I did say that this year I recorded 5.2K minutes of content. I talked too that much. <laughs> that was 200 more minutes from last year. I talked too that much. I found out last year's numbers were 5,034. Uh, not bad. I figure I was from me taking those two months long break to focus on my mental health because I wasn't in a good place. So there you go. I did that. But my top fans changed dramatically this year, and I'm proud of that. Last year, my podcast was a top 10 for 47 fans. Let's compare that to this year growing up to 66. Top 5 for 36 fans compared to this year growing up to 50. And number 1 for 22 fans, which grew to 31. And you all know who that one was in that 31, right? Me. So what I want to do for next year is I want to double that. And I'm going to double that. I'm doubling that for next year. Holy shit, listen to me calling out my shots again. Another wise person said, I'm actually going to say her name, Sunshine Soul Vibe. You get what you put out in the world. If you put out good vibes, you will get it back. So I'm putting out the good vibes and saying that I call these shots and suddenly I want to do it before... September 23rd, 2028. Evo! That's an oddly specific number. There's me condescending myself again. Alright, so there's a story behind that. <laughs> I was streaming the other night and this troll came into my life and said I was going to die on September 23rd, 2028. I don't know about y'all. But when I saw the September 23rd number and something came over me, like I know that number. The reason I know that number is because I remember years ago, it just became apparent that there was a show called Lost. <laughs> Oceanic Flight 815 crashed on an island. It also premiered the first episode of the show. So I was like, hey, that's when that happened. But then they mentioned 2028. And that's going to be four years from now. Five years from now. I wasn't mathing. Sorry. So I have a bunch of friends in the chat modding for me. And they thought that was rude. That was dark. Don't listen to it. Should they kick him out? Evo, kick him out. Ew. I said no, don't kick them out. I want to know how I will die and will it be a badass death like in the Final Destination movies? I joke about everything. I just love joking about everything. Nobody fucking other nobody takes me seriously these days, of course not. I never take myself seriously either. I never do. I never I joke about my own death. I joked about my diabetes. I joked about almost dying uh, in a coma right in front of fucking uh, watching a marathon of, what's it called again? 
<laughs> what? E, I forgot. Uh, SpongeBob SquarePants. This year, this year, I celebrated the night I went into the coma and almost died from diabetes. This year, because it happened last year, but this year I celebrated that. Who does that? Like, hey, I, I'm still alive. Yeah. Who does that? Huh? Nobody does that. I do that. I don't take anything too seriously. Uh, I've been on this app for a whole year, basically. I've seen TikTok lives. I know how they work. I love playing with these trolls because they don't expect you to play with them back. They never do. They expect you to kick them out immediately. I, on the other hand, I don't care. I let them. They're giving me content. <laughs> I celebrate every moment. They're giving me content for my next episode. Hence the whole fatherless behavior shirt that I love selling. Link in, con in the show. Link in the show notes. Link in the show notes. And now we have September twenty third, twenty twenty eight. You best believe that I'm going to make a shirt out of that. Oh yeah, that's gonna be like fucking from under the apron. September twenty three, twenty twenty eight. Ooh, something like that around there. Get rich or die trying on September twenty third, twenty twenty eight. How about that? <laughs> I've been saying that I want to do this and I want to do that. But in the words of my favorite bodybuilder icon, may he rest in peace. Greg Plitt. You want to be this? You want to be that? Then grab your fucking nuts and be it. Inspiring words from the man that made me want to do insane workouts 10 years ago. Stop sitting back saying, yeah, man. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. I want to be this. I want to be that. Grab your fucking nuts and be it. He's right. Grab your fucking nuts and be it. Do you know what I took out of September 23rd, 2028? Not the day of my demise. No, I said I'm going to take that dark number and make it my actual deadline. I called my shot on this past episode about going to the actual dance. I said I'm going to WrestleMania. I'm even pointing at the fucking sky, guys. I'm doing the whole thing. I'm doing the thing where I'm pointing at the sky. I'm pointing at the sign. I'm pointing at the WrestleMania sign. I'm doing that thing right now. I know you can't see it, but I am actually doing it. People in the chat, they can see it. They see me pointing at a fucking make-believe sign. It doesn't say WrestleMania. It just says... It doesn't say anything at all. <laughs> I... Going, I'm going to one of these WrestleManias or premium live events, and I want to be invited to the press conference to raise my hand and get to ask a question. Any question. I said I would do that. But then again, I also said last year that my goal for this year was to interview a wrestler, and I've yet to do that. So here's where we throw the gloves. Okay, we're throwing the gloves. We're throwing the gloves. We're doing the hockey thing and throwing gloves on the floor. Let's go. Let's go. I have until September 23rd, 2028. You hear that? September 23rd, 2028. 
I have until that date to make this podcast successful. I heard from my friends, you made it this far, it's already a success. 130 episodes. Congratulations, you're listening to episode 131. 131 episodes. Not many people do that. There's, there are many people do that. Not many people can say that they have mental health problems and get to do that. Here I am. I get it. Yes, I want to branch out. I'm looking for other apps to live stream because I want to make sure this podcast is respectable and it's a success for me. So yes, September 23, 2028. Listen. Understand this. Understand that I understand that I am not a failure. To all the supporters, thank you for the kind words. I do not make myself a failure, but I will deem myself a failure if by that date happens and I have yet to do what I have set out to do. New goals for next year. We are growing at 8,338. That's a lie. That's not the right number. New goals for next year. We are growing at 8,384 downloads. I believe I'll probably end the year at 9K downloads, 9,000 downloads. So my next year, so next year, my next goal, my goal for next year is to get up to 15,000 downloads. More episodes, more minutes, more fans, double those fans. Double those minutes, double those episodes. Here's a wrestling analogy. He may have passed away earlier this year in a car accident, but he did say this in his intro. Reach for the sky, boy. You are already part of the bigger picture, my friend. But Evo, that catchphrase came from a kid's movie. You know, I keep saying that. I just caught myself just saying that. For, um, it's going to be on a shirt. But Evo, <laughs> I know, I know. A beautiful story behind that, and let me tell you. January 29th, Wrestling Inc. covered the story of Jay Briscoe's catchphrase and what it meant. During the funeral, the pastor had asked Mark Briscoe what it meant, and he said about his brother Jay that he was a big softy. He was actually watching Toy Story for the umpteenth time with his kids, and the truth is, he cried every time he watched it. For those unfamiliar with Toy Story, of course, the main character, Woody, just so happens to say his catchphrase, Reach for the sky! Whenever someone pulls the string on his back, and something happened, it lit this fire inside Jay's butt that it could be so much bigger than just somebody pulling a string. Reach for the sky, boy, meant give your very best in everything that you do. That's what Jay did. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm giving it my best. This podcast. This podcast is my best. 
Hi everyone, I'm Lisa. And I'm Dawn. And if you've ever watched a TV show and thought to yourself, oh my god, that season finale plot twist was absolutely bonkers. Or seen a movie and thought, wow, I need to talk to somebody about this train wreck immediately. Then we think you'll fit right in with our podcast, I Hate It, Let's Watch It. We watch TV shows like Riverdale and Emily in Paris. And movies like Deep Water, Killer Sofa, Rubber, and Deadly Illusions. And we give them the total rinsing they deserve. It's basically group therapy for movie masochists. So come check us out wherever you stream podcasts. Hey, it's Evo. We're going to get back to the episode you're listening to, but first, let me tell you about Dark Fate Creations. Dark Fate Creations are candles that are vibrant, colorful, marble tops, amazing, mouth-watering fragrances, fueled by lovely braided cotton wicks. Paper threads woven into every cotton wick for a clean, romantic, slow, and consistent burn. Each candle is unique from the next as they are hand-mixed and hand-poured, right in Grass Valley, California. They use only coconut and soy waxes for a safer, cleaner, and longer burn time. That's almost 72 hours. That's like binging on all 130 episodes of the podcast. All fragrance blends have been heavily researched. Dark Fate Creations not only care about the look, fragrance, and quality of their candles and their other products, but also the effects they have in their customers' homes. So go to darkfatecreations.com. The link will be in the show notes. Welcome back. Hope y'all are still here. <laughs> I really do hope y'all are still here. On this episode, I am recapping Season 1, Episode 7 of The Glow on Netflix series titled Live Studio Audience. Uh, the synopsis, Glow hosts his first live show at the gym, but things go out of hand when Carmen suffers from stage fright. And the book tag team match between Cherry and Tammy versus Don and Stacy is given an unexpected twist. Debbie and Ruth seek outside help with their moves, and Rhonda gives Sam a good luck gift. It was directed by Jesse Perez, who also directed the pilot episode of the series, and written by Rachel Shuckert, who also wrote episode 5, Debbie Does Something. You know, that was the episode where Debbie realizes wrestling is like a soap opera and gets her aha moment from going to an event. Um, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to tell you what I saw of the episode before I start talking about it instead of going at the very end and doing it at the very end because that sometimes I'm just like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. So let me tell you what I thought about it first. I thought this was probably my favorite. <laughs> this was probably one of my favorite episodes right next to the season finale. Um, the season finale has the big wrestling match, but this episode has the the build up to that. Uh, it's episode seven, but we still have like a few more episodes to go. But the reason for that is because it has this beautiful '80s wrestling training montage in the middle of it. And it just made me think of the Rocky movies. Or any of, you know, Cobra, uh, Cobra Kai, wow. Uh, Karate Kid, where he starts training and this fucking music shows up. The fucking, it's a montage. You don't get, you get to see him struggle. You get to see them struggle. You get to see them struggle. And then they fucking do it. And then they get it. And then they have that aha moment. It's the same thing here. It just like made me think of it as 
I love uh, training montages, basically. I'm just saying that. <laughs> um, the song that was used for the montage thing, I, was, I fucking love it. y'all. I'm going to have to tell you all about it later. Because it was used on an epic animated movie at the time. <laughs> so... Yeah, those were the. It was um, it was amazing. It was amazing. Uh, I loved it when they rolled the credits right before it. We see the words, "This episode is dedicated to the memory of Chavo Guerrero Senior." Um, he lived from 1949 to 2017. Our as he was called back into the Chavo Classic, he passed away earlier in the year on February 11th, 2017. He was a professional wrestler as well as the father of wrestler Chavo Guerrero Jr., who trained all of the actresses for the series, and he's also the brother and teammate of wrestler Mondo Guerrero, who was the trainer for the wrestlers on the original show on which the series is based on. Uh, guest stars on the show is the return of Carmen's brothers, Big Kurt Jackson and Tom Jackson, played by both wrestlers Carlito and Tyrus, respectively. Uh, Brett Newton as a paramedic, and Rob Zabrisky Zabrecki as Rob the Satanist. It's weird. <laughs> if you're watching it, you'll understand later, but it's just it was just weird seeing him on there. Also guest starring on this episode is Rich Summer, who comes back on the show as Mark Egan, Debbie's husband. Uh, Alright, uh, the cold open uh, episode... The show cold opens on the girl standing out in the middle of the street promoting glow. Sheila rushes up introducing a guy named Rob. There he is again, Rob the Satanist. She says he's bringing his entire coven to the show. There's a bunch of fucking coven. <laughs> he's a cult man. She's bringing a cult member to a wrestling match. She calls it butts and seats. She says... As she runs away with Rob. And Melrose says. Hey Rob. Bye Rob. As the title sequence of Glow appears on the screen. Rob the Satanist. Rob Zabrecki is an actor. Known for playing aberrant characters in film and television. He's weird. His first leading role was portraying a middle aged groundkeeper. Who falls in love with a corpse in decay. That was weird. I'm going to have to watch that movie just because he falls in love with a corpse. Wow. Um, I wish I had known this before Halloween. I would have, like, loved testing that and just reviewed it. I may have to do that. His career began as a musician while being the singer, songwriter, and bassist for the Los Angeles 90s group Possum Dixon. He later found success... He later found success... As an actor and magician, he's also a magician, guys. Watch his career disappear. <laughs> Later, the girls examine a list. Tammy is excited at having made the list, but everyone made the list anyway. It's a lineup for the wrestling matches. Uh, Melrose versus Sheila the She-Wolf. Machu Picchu versus Vicky Viking. Junk Chain and Welfare Queen versus the Beatdown Biddies. Britannica versus Scab, Fortune Cookie versus Beirut, and Liberty Bell versus Soya the Destroyer. <clears throat> Tammy points out that she and Sherry are a team. I wonder why, comments Sherry dryly. Rhonda says that her name has a star next to it because she's bright like a star. In fact, 
each matchup has one name with a star. The one with the star is supposed to win the match, as Carmen explains. Rhonda then says she's a star and a winner. Ruth and Debbie look at the list, and Ruth comments that it's official now. They're making it awkward again. Of course. You know, you know the reason why. Debbie points out that they spelled the name of her character, Zoya, wrong. Debbie enjoyed pointing that out. Uh, next scene, Sam and Bash discuss the upcoming match. Sam notes that they have Glenn Clitface coming. Sam, who is a bit fidgety, probably from the stress or drug usage, who knows, corrects him and saying that it's Clitnik, not Clitface, Clitnik. <laughs> and urges him not to say it that way because it'll get in his head, Clitface. Sam says that with the suit in, that makes this their first official production meeting. Bash tells Sam he's there for him and they shake hands. Sam cringes at Bash, who is still walking around. It's the drugs. They discuss personal issues, including cameraman, sound lighting, a ref, and an announcer. Bash asks if he's really going to need everything by Friday, and Sam says that they shot, they shoot the pilot in a few weeks. They should get them early while they can work out the kinks. Sam throws a pen at Bash, who starts writing these things down and pacing back and forth nervously. He is on something. Sam says that the girls can do their own hair and makeup, but they're going to need a budget for costumes. He says that also the video camera he got him got stolen, so he needs another. Bash is bothered by this, asking if he just lost it. Sam says that he didn't, that it was there and then not there. Bash asks if he tried to look for it. Sam asks if it's his mother. Are you my mother? What, were you asking me to fucking look for it? Did you look for it? Are you my mother? My mom would tell me that too. Did you look for it? It's right around the corner, right over there. No. Bash says that if they need a new camera, it's coming out of his salary. Sam replies that he's supposed to be the rich guy. Bash tells him that it's not monopoly money. That's about accountability and thrift. Sam says he sounds like a protestant, and Bash asks if that's a bad thing. Sam calls down to the girl, saying that if any of them have any info on the whereabouts of his video camera, or if they happen to steal it, then they need to bring it back. He says there's no questions asked, except they'll be immediately fired, that there's already too many of them anyway. Justine looks troubled. Justine took the camera, obviously, from the last episode. At the end of the episode, she sneaks into the gym, grabs the camera from the office, and puts it in her bag and just takes it with her. Obviously, Justine did it. Nobody else looks troubled, just Justine, who has this, like, It was me! I did it! Look. So, so awkward and so annoying. Alright, uh, Cherry demonstrates some moves on Carmen. Start with a lockup, then go into an arm twist, and then go into a headlock, and then a hammerlock. She asks Debbie and Ruth if they think they can handle them, and Ruth agrees that they seem manageable. Debbie suggests they open with more panache instead. Cherry says that she picked the sequence because it's something they can actually do. Debbie says it's all really boring. Just the same three moves she taught to Moros and Sheila in a different order. 
Cherry says that the audience won't notice and Ruth suggests that they just try it and they can always add on. Debbie agrees to try it before the camera fades out. Ruth gives Dev this look like, don't be dramatic and don't ruin this for us. Okay? All right. And it looked like Cherry got offended by the boring comment because she was about to swing at Debbie who was ready for a fight. They're all ready for fights. Later on in the hotel room, Sheila is watching Jeopardy while Ruth is in the bathroom painting the Soviet Union sickle and hammer on her face, but thinks she's still missing something, suggesting that maybe she could find an Ushanka. That's a big furry hat that they have in, the, in Russia. Sheila says that if Debbie needs fur, she, needs, she knows a guy. They could also hunt it as there's a feral cat colony in the empty lot down the street. That's not good. She immediately gives the answer in form of the question that's asked on the show and gets it right. Devi enters the room and seeing Ruth's outfit says that she was going to wear red. Ruth says that she could wear something else and as Sheila shouts out another Jeopardy answer, Devi asks her to give them a minute. Sheila answers back with, she won't. Debbie tells Ruth that she doesn't want to look like an asshole on Friday. Ruth tells her not to be hard on herself, that her wrestling has really improved. Debbie says that they're both are going to look like assholes anyway. That Cherry's moves are amateur, with no impact, and not exciting. She recalls the wrestling match she saw, that was what, two episodes ago, in which Steel Horse rode in on a motorcycle and did backflips. Ruth is surprised that she went to a wrestling match, and Debbie replies, she's not the only one who does research. Ruth agrees that they can put in extra time, that she can work around her schedule. She says she's not interested in getting coffee with her or talking about her life. She takes a step back to look at the TV and then says that they need to step it up, and Shaft Mom will get them there. She looks back at the TV screen at the answer to this question and answers along with Sheila, what is a brooch? Debbie turns around to look back at Sheila. Although the show is set in 1985, the episode of Jeopardy, episode 3.135 that Sheila is watching didn't air until March 13, 1987. Movies and feelings. Pop Pop! Bring Your Own Popcorn is a podcast that dives into people and the movies who love them. Let us preach to your choir or stoke your ire as we spiral down memory lane with cult classics, Jurassics, and other genres that rhyme with traffic. What we lack in education, we make up for with comedy, compassion, and camaraderie. I'm your host, Mixtape Majesty, inviting you to join me and an assortment of wonderful guests on fine podcast apps everywhere. Bring Your Own Popcorn! Hi everyone, this is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening!
Next scene, Cherry applies makeup in front of a mirror, commenting that you can't tell Debbie anything. Keith clears his throat, standing before her in a pinstripe suit. She asks if he's going to a costume party. He tells her that Bash stopped by. Having heard he was available, he's now the new referee. Cherry cheers and hugs him. He says he'll call every match for her. She tells him that she only has one in the tag team match. She doesn't even get to her own fight. He tells her that she'll shine no matter how many people are in the ring. She just needs to add a little extra something something. You know, a little something something. He says a little sprinkle of something something as he picks her up over his shoulder and slams her on the bed saying, I'm going to come in and count one, two, three, out. Wait, what? She laughs and says, we do not say out. Keith is puzzled and asks, what, are you sure? You, oh, no. One, two, three, call the bell. The next morning, Carmen, Ruth, and Debbie visit Carmen's home. Debbie comments this is the house at the top of the beanstalk. Giant reference there. This is like, you know, they're all giants. Uh, Tommy, played by Tyrus, laughs and says that she's come crawling back while eating some Pringles. He says that she's lucky their dad is on the road. Kurt appears on the front porch holding an apple as a side nod to his wrestling persona. Carlito spits apples into the faces of people he doesn't think are cool. You know. That that Carlito. Carmen says she's not there to apologize. Ruth explains that they need help. That they came to train with them. The Lumberjacksons. Which was cringe. Anything Ruth says is cringe. Tommy replies that they're busy and Carmen points out that he's sitting on the porch eating Pringles. He wipes off some crumbs and Carmen comments to the others that they'll do it. They assemble in a ring outside in the backyard and Ruth explains that the U.S. versus Russia idea that she and Debbie have going. Debbie tells him that she wants to fly. Literally. Fly. Leave the ground. Leaving the audience slack-jawed. Maybe they shit their pants. Ruth says that she wants the whole audience to boo her because they hate her so much. But it still has to be about Debbie since she wins the match. Tommy and Kurt demonstrate some moves. Tommy suggesting a strong shoulder tackle. Kurt demonstrates a drop kick. They demonstrate several more moves. A headbutt to the midsection. Turnbuckle face smash and a moonsault until finally Debbie says that she wants to do the moonsault. According to the trainer, Chavo Guerrero Jr. on the What the Fuck with Mark Marin podcast, Shanna Deggins, the stunt coordinator, was referred to him by Eve Torres, another former wrestler who was working on Supergirl at the time. Shanna told him she's a stunt coordinator and didn't know wrestling, so they asked him to come in and interview for the part, and he got it. Uh, Mark Marin tells him that who else got going to get that part? There are these 14 other girls that don't know anything about wrestling except for Kia, Tammy, who wrestled as Awesome Kong. Chabu agrees and says that yes, but there's these writers, producers, and set designers that don't know anything about wrestling either. And his job broadened really fast as he was having meetings with the writers, giving them wrestling terminology as well as script rewrites and ordering a wrestling ring instead of a boxing ring that you see in the first episode. He also says that the creators, Liz and Carly, came to him because they wanted to be true to the wrestling world and not insult people. So they came to him with the script 
and he suggested what to change and what different terminology to change. He mentioned there was a line in the script that someone called wrestling fake and he told him that he would turn the fans off. And since the show is based in 1985, they can't show moves that weren't invented yet, so they were limited. Back in the ring, Cherry tells Tammy something that astounds her. Tammy asks Cherry if she's serious. Cherry says in the past six weeks that she's known her. Has she heard her tell a joke? Tammy says not on purpose, but asks what Sam said about it. And Cherry says that Sam wants them to fight two old white ladies. She asks her to think about how that's going to look. A rapper and a welfare queen abusing the elderly. She tells Tammy that they're empowered if they do this version. Instead of like... She tells Tammy that they're empowered if they do her version instead. Like Pam Greer times two. That is, unless Tammy wants to spend the next three weeks hollering about food stamps. Tammy asks if they'll really do it and Cherry points out Don and Stacy are taking turns butting themselves up against the brick wall. Cherry yells that they're doing great. Back at the Jacksons, Ruth and Debbie go over the cross-body block move. Debbie likens it to a trust fall, saying that she stares at Ruth and remembers all the reasons why she doesn't trust her. Burn. Ruth promises that her body will take the fall if she misses. They practice the move and Debbie asks how it looked. Carmen says she's doing great. Debbie gets back up and says, let's do it again. This is the part where the 80s montage is set to Dare by Stan Bush. For what I've been told, the most 80s song to ever 80s. And it was on the 1986 animated Transformers, the movie original motion picture soundtrack. How deep is that? They are training, they're doing a training montage to a Transformers song. The montage is just Debbie and Ruth doing the same move repeatedly and failing every time that it's upsetting Kurt and Tommy. They start to try something else. Debbie jumps off the middle rope onto Tommy and Kurt does the crossbody block on Ruth, teaching her how to take the move. Slowly, they get better. They eventually take it back to the gym, having slowly developed a full, complicated, and exciting routine. It comes together really well. Both Alice and Brie and Betty Gilpin were on Mark Maron's podcast, What the Fuck? And they didn't want to say names because they didn't want to get in trouble. But there was some miscommunication between the girls and the wrestlers who acted shady to them. They mentioned this episode, they just didn't want to mention the names. So obviously, it's them too. Throughout the week, they are seen practicing the moves and getting better until they seem like they got it. According to Chavo Guerrero in Mark Maron's What the Fuck podcast, What the Fuck, Allison is a big supporter and protects the business. Now that even when they ask her if wrestling is fake, Allison would defend it and say it's not fake. So knowing that these two were doing publicity for the show and telling everyone that wrestling is real, they learned a lot of moves. In Sam's room, later that night, Rhonda searches around looking for a material for her costume. Sam asks her to stop ransacking his drawers. She says that she wants glasses, suspenders, and a bow tie, and Sam replies that she's going to look like the asshole from ACDC. The little short guy. 
You're the asshole. She tells him he's nervous about the match. He admits that he is, and he doesn't want to talk about it. She walks away and returns with a videotape calling it a good luck present. She says it's a video of her. She asks if she should put it on, and he agrees that she should. She does. He thinks it's something else. He really thought, he was just like, ooh, hey, let's go. But it's not. It's her doing a cheesy song and dance routine about Glow. He asks if he's rapping, and she says she speaks singing like Rex Harrison in My Fair Lady. He asks how she shot it, and she says it was on the video camera that she found in her locker. He asks if this would be in the, his video camera, and she says someone put it there. He asks why she didn't tell him, and she says she wanted to surprise him. She ends the song by doing a cartwheel. Sam says the video is pretty catchy. Obviously, the rapping is a throwback to the old gorgeous arrays of wrestling where they introduce themselves by rapping their gimmicks. It's cheesy. It was cheesy and hilarious. I mentioned this on here before. Oh, yeah. You don't need to hear it. I'll put it on later. On June 28, 2017, Larry Bartleet interviewed Kate Nash for the Enemy.com website. Kate says, honestly, I wasn't a wrestling fan, but the history of the actual Glow Woman, the show is based on a true story, of course. I think it's so fascinating and so unique. It was really scary at first. When I saw the ropes and some of the stances, I was like, I'm fucked. Like, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm scared to do a roly-poly. But it's been the most inspiring experience of my life because I've done things now with my body that I never thought I could ever do. These crazy moves and stunts, it just opens your mind and you think, God, what else can I do that I thought I would never be able to do? As a woman, you have such a strange relationship with your body, especially being the public eye from a really young age. People have called me too fat and too ugly to be a pop star. They've commented on my body throughout my career. That's the same for a lot of the girls. They feel judged. They don't feel good enough. So it was amazing to have this new relationship with my body. When asked if Kate was going to inspire women to wrestle, Kate said, yeah. I got tweeted by this group called EVE, an all-female wrestling league in London, who do matches in Brent Green and the Arcs. There's this front door, it just looks like nothing, and it says little secret gang, and it says like secret girl gang meeting. Then you go in and there's like a ring in there. I bought my sisters, I brought my sisters and a few friends, and we had such an amazing time. They've actually asked me to be in a tag team match on July 15th. You have to come and cover it. About her character, I really love playing Rhonda. I think she's a cool character because she's really positive and she goes for it. She just puts herself out there and she doesn't really think about what other people think of her. In a world where the spooky and supernatural collide. Two friends go on an epic journey to the other side. Hi, I'm Rain. Hi, I'm Luna. And we're the hosts of Spooky Natural. A podcast where we try to make a skeptic into a believer. Check us out to hear spooky tales of ghosts, 
alien encounters, cryptids, and all other unexplained mysteries. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and join our Facebook group. And listen wherever you get your podcasts. Spook you later! That morning, Sam meets with Bash, who is setting up equipment and asks if he's having a yard sale. Bash explains that they've got lights in the swimming, and he got his sister's karaoke machine and a Casio City keyboard. Sam looks at everything and discusses it's old. But according to some websites, the keyboard looked like it was a brand new state-of-the-art digital synthesizer, the Yamaha DX7. In 1985, those were worth around $2,000. Bash says he didn't get Sam a camera operator because he lost his camera, but he did get him a referee. Sam is surprised to see Keith. Sam asks if they're doing community theater, and Bash tells him to embrace the do-it-yourself charm. Sam asks who's going to announce him. Bash replies that he has to chaperone Glenn, and Sam will be the announcer. Glenn comes in with a big banner to plaster over the ring, sponsored by Patio Town. Sam sighs and tests out the microphone and keyboard. Backstage, the girls get themselves ready. Melrose happily says she just comes alive in front of an audience. Cherry quips sarcastically with what a surprise. Carmen comments that she's never done anything in front of an audience before. Tammy tells her she's in for a treat. Ruth suggests to Debbie that they have a safe word in case they need to abort. Debbie suggests human mabubufati. The name of the real estate agent that was on a bench outside Ruth's old apartment. She loves that name. Sam comes in asking if anyone knows how to play the piano or a keyboard. Sheila says that she does. He tells her he has a job for her and says to the rest that he wishes he could tell them there's a full house out there, but there's not. It's a group of about 20 to 30, including freaks, some children, and a homeless guy. You know who the freaks are. You know who the freaks are. The Satanists. The cult. He brought his cult. He tells them to break a leg. He walks towards the back room and asks... He walks towards the back room and Ruth asks if that's places. Sam says, sure, Ruth, whatever. Places. Both Ruth and Dev yell, thank you, places. Sam is about to walk out when Rhonda asks him for a kiss for luck. He says that she won't need it. He scripted the match so that she would win. He kisses her anyway. Justine comes in asking if he asked her about his camera. She says that they all saw it in her locker. And he tells her to just go get ready. He asks Rhonda what she did to Justine. Why she's trying to frame her. Rhonda says that Justine is jealous and has a crush on him. He's a brilliant director and she's seen every one of his films. She swoons every time he walks in the room. He asks what he's supposed to do about it and she says she sh he should be kind and generous to her like he is with everyone. Moments later the show begins. Sam welcomes the crowd to the first ever match of the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Their scattered light applause. He introduces the first match, the Battle of the Beast. He introduces from the icy wastelands of the frozen north, where she rapes, pillages, but mostly rapes. Please boo for Bicky the Viking. 
Vicky comes out, wooing herself and getting the ring. Sam continues reading the card, and now from the crowned height of the Andes, known by the ancient Incas to be the place, palace, place, palace to be the palace of the gods, put your hands together for Machu Picchu. Sheila plays Exodus on the keyboard for both entrances. Sam asks if the only song she knows, and she says that it is. A lone member of the crowd applauds. That was Rob the Satanist, by the way. He's applauding everything. Glenn says that he likes Machu, that she's very winning. Carmen is breathing very heavily and has obvious stage fright. She pulls off her hat, saying that she can't do it and leaves. Glenn asks Bash if this is part of the gag. Bash says that he'll go check it out. In the ring, though, Keith declares Vicky the winner by default. Outside, Bash shouts at her, asking what's going on, then noticing he panic breathing as she's okay. She says she thinks she's having a heart attack. She collapses. Bash freaks out. Back inside, Stacy and Don talk out there um, before the entrance. Gorilla position? Let's call it gorilla position because you know, if we're doing wrestling terminology, gorilla position. They're talking in gorilla position. Don says that she's uncomfortable, worried that people are going to freak out and possibly put them on a watch list. She's wondering where she was when Martin Luther King got murdered and if Bill Cosby will get mad at them. That is... What? <laughs> Those references, man. Yeah, I don't think Bill Cosby... I don't think you're going to care much about Bill Cosby. Uh, Stacy says nobody will know that it's them. It's why they're wearing costumes. She says that it's not racist if the black girls came up with the idea. For context on this, I apologize. They are both wearing white sheets on their bodies, so you know what comes up next. Take a long guess what kind of costumes those are supposed to be. White sheets on their bodies. Don agrees that it's them. Stacy asks if she's ready, and they agree that they are both are. They both don white hood, for the love of God. Don curses. Back in the ring, Beirut beats Fortune Cookie to light applause. Sam introduces Ethel and Edna, the beat-down biddies, but no. No, instead, they enter in their hoods, shouting white power. Good lord. Keith said that it's not appropriate, and they can't come on wearing that. Everyone boos and Sam calls it inappropriate social satire. No, that's fucked up. Cherry and Tammy burst through the door. Cherry saying that someone needs to teach the Casper-looking racist idiots a lesson. Tammy says that she may be a welfare queen, but she doesn't tolerate bigots. The audience is into it cheering. You have Rob the Satanist smiling and cheering. Sam says that it's not a match for children, then backtracks, saying that if you're never too young to know about the country's racial history, no, you're not. Rhonda looks uncomfortable, and Sheila consoles her. The match begins. Don and Stacy fight dirty, but Cherry and Tammy come back swinging. Sam says that it's not as bad as he thought, and it looks like the blacks have the upper hand. Did you really have to say that? He said it, not me. Uh, Cherry rips off the white sheet, <clears throat> exposing the body underneath, and finally the hood, revealing Stacy. Oh, she's going on a watch list, all right. The audience laughs and cheers fully into it for the first time since the show began. 
Don and Stacy flee. Stacy saying that they weren't supposed to show their faces. Keith declares welfare queen and junk chain the winners and everyone cheers wildly. Sam says that the Black Panthers or whatever they're supposed to be have won. Justice has been served. Uh, this tag match is loosely based on the original glow match between the Soul Patrol, Envy and the Door, and the Hicks, Sarah and Mabel. But I couldn't find it, apparently. Instead, I found Soul Patrol, Envy and the Door, and the girls that Don and Stacy were portraying the beatdown biddies, the old ladies. In a world where true crime meets the supernatural and the unexplained, where true crime and chills go hand in hand. Welcome to Total Conundrum, the podcast that explores the dark, the eerie, and the downright mysterious. Join us as we embark on a spine-tingling journey through the mysteries that keep you up at night. We're diving deep into true crime stories, uncovering the most baffling cases, and exploring the twisted minds behind them. But we don't stop there. We're also exploring the paranormal, from haunted houses to cryptids and all the creepy things that go bump in the night. Get ready for some supernatural thrills. And what sets us apart? Prepare for a dose of dark humor as we navigate through the creepy and bizarre. <laughs> We've got it all. Bone-chilling tales, banter, and mind-boggling conundrums, you won't know whether to scream or laugh. So grab your favorite snack, turn down the lights, and join us for a roller coaster ride of true crime and the supernatural sprinkled with a bit of comic banter. Stay curious, stay captivated, and let's dive into the world of Total Conundrum. Now available on your favorite podcast platform. Get ready to be captivated, creeped out, and cracked up with Total Conundrum. Hey, it's Evo. We're going to get back to the episode you're listening to, but first, let me tell you about Dark Fate Creations. Dark Fate Creations are candles that are vibrant, colorful, marble tops, amazing, mouth-watering fragrances, fueled by lovely braided cotton wicks. Paper threads woven into every cotton wick for a clean, romantic, slow, and consistent burn. Each candle is unique from the next as they are hand-mixed and hand-poured right in Grass Valley, California. They use only coconut and soy waxes for a safer, cleaner, and longer burn time. That's almost 72 hours. That's like binging on all 130 episodes of the podcast. All fragrance blends have been heavily researched. Dark Fate Creations not only care about the look, fragrance, and quality of their candles and their other products, but also the effects they have in their customers' homes. So go to darkfatecreations.com. The link will be in the show notes. Outside, a medic tells Carmen that her vitals check out and the only fainted as an extreme response to emotional distress. She asks about her heart and he says that she's worried about it. She should give Weight Watchers a try. Fucking asshole. 
He walks off and Bash calls him a jerk. She begs him to not tell anyone and asks what he would tell them, who isn't emotionally distressed. She says that this should be on in her DNA, but she didn't even make it into the ring. He says that he gets it, that he feels like he's disappointing a lot of the people right now. She tells him that everyone loves him, that he's like Santa Claus. He tells her that this he tells her that his mom cut him off. She figured out how much money he was spending on the program. She asked just how much it was, and he admits it was about $600,000. Damn. She asked how he spent so much, and he says that it added up between renting the motel, paying their salaries, and buying the gym. She's shocked that he bought the gym, and he calls it easier than trying to figure out all the paperwork. She asked if the show is off. He said that it's still on, that he just needs to figure out a couple of things. I'm thinking six hundred. Thousand dollars isn't that bad, right? Now it's not that bad. Over the fucking eighty-five, it's like that's a lot of money. Uh, back at the ring, Sam announces the final match of the night. Root tells Debbie she's going to be great. Debbie nods and walks out as Sam announces Liberty Bell. Sheila starts to play Exodus, and Sam stops her. Like, stop it. Looks like Sheila. The actress was going to break. She was about to laugh. Like they were probably like um, recording the same scene over and over. And then he just finally tells her, stop it. You don't need to play it anymore. Leave it alone. And it just caught her by surprise. And she just like almost broke in that moment. Because she see her smile. Sheila never smiles. The crowd cheers upon seeing her wrapped in an American flag. Debbie chanting USA, USA. Liberty Bell tells the crowd that she liked to call on the power of her three favorite Americans. Y'all ready for this? Y'all ready for this? Who her three favorite Americans are? Ronald Reagan, Larry Bird, and Jesus Christ himself. Oh my God, Lord. Jesus Christ himself. I'm not going to tell her. Sam introduces Root straight from Moscow, the commissariat for the proletariat, here to destroy our American way of life. The Cold War never looked hotter. Zoya the Destroyer. She walks out playing a boombox with Russian music and everyone jeers and boos. Liberty Bell tells her that she's already lost, that Americans will never give up their freedom. Zoya calls her a capitalist pig. She will neuter everyone's pet dogs and fill your swimming pools with borscht. I just found out what borscht means. She throws off her hat. Liberty Bell tells her to defect or die. Zoya tells her to prepare herself for mutually assured destruction. Even now I can't even do the fucking uh, accent. Keith tells him that he wants a good clean fight, but Zoya fights dirty and the match begins. The crowd jeers as Zoya pummels Liberty Bell. Zoya says that it's sad what happened to Miss America. Sam asks if this is bye-bye Miss American Pie. On the speakers, obviously. Uh, Keith says she's doing great, asking if they know what happens next because he surely doesn't. Liberty Bell Cowering at the edge of the ring says that she surround, surrenders, asking if they can talk this out like adults. Zoya comes closer and she gets up and slams her. She takes the upper hand, now pushing Zoya to the edge of the ring. She asks, how do you spell freedom? 
she runs the ropes three times, spelling out U-S-A. She knocks Zoya down with a clothesline and stands in the corner of the ring. She's going for the crossbody block that they practice. The crowd shouts for her to jump. Zoya calls her a stupid American Barbie. However, Devi, for it's Devi now. She she lost her train of thought. She's become distracted. She sees her husband, Mark, watching from the audience, disappointed at her. She steps down and the audience jurors demanded that she gets back up. Ruth notices Mark also but continues to stay in character as Zoya calling her a classic American saying that she runs away. Backstage, Mark says that what she's doing is insane. Devi replies that it isn't. It's a job. He says that he won't talk to her but she'll talk to Ruth. You'll talk to Ruth? She says they're working together. He asks if that's some sort of elaborate ploy. She tells him he sounds crazy and he replies that she joined a wrestling TV show. He says that you can take the girl out of the trailer park. But, and stops himself. Not sure how to finish it. She says it wasn't the trailer park and he tells her that watching her, he didn't even know who this woman was. She asks how he even found her and he explains that he followed her parents when they dropped off Randy the week before. She calls this being like a stalker, and he says that it's like a man who's sick of wondering where his wife and child are. He says that the Russian guy at the desk was kind enough to invite him to the live girl-on-girl wrestling match, starring daytime television's former Laura Morgan. He says it's mind-blowing that she put her name on this trash. She curses him and starts to walk out, then tells him that he always does this. Whatever success she has, whatever she has built, he wants to tear her down. He hands her divorce papers, telling her to get herself a lawyer. She cries. Back in the ring, Zoya works the crowd, saying that in the Soviet Union, they don't celebrate American Thanksgiving. They celebrate the Feast of Lenin, thanking the rats for not eating them. Rhonda, as Britannica, grabs the microphone and starts singing her song from the videotape. She steps into the ring and Zoya joins in the song. The rest of the cast glow. The rest of the cast gets into the ring and starts singing the song. Glow, glow, that's our name. Women's wrestling is our game. If we play rough, please don't blame us. Our style is wild and you know you can't tame us. <sighs> I'll just give you the... The audio clip right here. Exodus begins to play again, but nobody is playing the keyboard. It is coming from the show itself. The audience claps and starts cheering along. They start singing along as well. Sam smiles at the girls in the ring doing a job well done for the first event. Bash and Carmen return, bobbing their heads to the song. The audience cheers and applauds as the song comes to a triumphant conclusion. It doesn't. It just keeps going. The credits roll and you see in big neon letters in memory of Chavo Guerrero Sr. 1949 to 2017. Ten bell salute for him, perhaps? (laughs) 
Come join PleasurePassport.shop for a fun and playful destination of adult toys, monthly surprises, exclusive discounts, and a judgment-free, sex-positive community that offers comprehensive online education on safe sex practices and empowers individuals to shed shame and freely explore their sexuality. For those seeking love on a budget, they've created the Pleasure Passport newsletter and subscription box, which are both full of exclusive sales and giveaways every month. Discreetly delivered to your doorstep, these exclusive subscription packages offer limited time offers, discounts, and regular shipments of fun new toys to enjoy solo or with a partner. With Pleasure Passport, you can embrace your desires, indulge in safe exploration, and experience a world of pleasure without judgment or inhibition. Go journey together towards a more fulfilling and satisfying adult fun experience. Explore, learn, and enjoy the Pleasure Passport way. Link will be in the show notes. Alright, that's going to do it for me. I told you I enjoyed this episode. It had that 80s training montage with the Transformers song in the middle of it. Dare! <laughs> uh, them doing the glove shuffle because they were inspired by the Super Bowl shuffle. Great job there, um, Chicago Bears. And the main event killed. But even after watching them sing at the end, I thought to myself, can someone check on Debbie? Poor girl's love, fucking crying her eyes out in the bathroom. As always, follow us on our socials and support us from Under the Apron on Instagram, the threads, YouTube, Apron underscore stories on the Twitter. Catch us live on there pretty soon. More info in the links on where you can listen or watch on the show notes. Listen to us on Apple, Spotify, or any other audio media you can listen to podcasts on. And don't forget that we have merch. We've got some merch. Go buy our merch. We've got some merch. Go buy our merch. A friend of the podcast that goes by the name of the Big Friendly Giant designed the logo for these t-shirts. He came through, he said he was fidgeting with the logo, and he made the perfect combination of epic outerwear. So please check those out. Get the podcast logo in the front, follow his behavior in the back, complete with the QR code and the link to the website right across from it. Let us know you're part of the FUTA family from under the apron family wear them and display them now just in time for the holidays with your family get together and show them how you really feel or how you act and if they say they like your shirt buy them as a gift for christmas link tree will be in the show notes don't forget to rate us and leave us a review and if you feel you want a little bit more Go to patreon.com forward slash from under the apron podcast. Support us on the patron. Become a top tier patron and get patron privileges. And I will shout you out at the end of every episode. Like Babble B, Men of Smiling, Damien H from the Life of 30 Year Old Podcast, Chanel from the Nerds in Texas Podcast. Hey, Chanel. <laughs> uh, we got to talk about the whole Twitter thing. Cloudy November from the Nose Attendance Podcast. I be live, Sai from the Sweet Life Pod. I'll have the link to these podcasts in the show notes so you can all check them out. Mini Mommy Dancer, Little Monster at Last, The Wee Daddy, OMG is Ren, Hannah Time, Celestial Moon Goddess, Toasted Bagel, Lisa's Journey, Age of Shadow 666, Marijuana Barbie, Queen of the Underworld, Wow Stark, Little Miss Confidence, Greenery, Hey, it's me, your favorite chick, Jada Samia, 
Kit Kat 222, Narcissus, Tiger Princess, Princess and the Weed, The Big Friendly Giant, Kinky's Delivery Service, Jojo Kiki's Blog, Dalo 17, Baby XOXO, Tiana Taylor, Baby's Mama, Sadho the Goddess, Pixie Ocean Dust, Genitals. That name keeps popping up. Genitals. Genitals. Mighty Sovereign. I Drink Boy Tears. Starlit Sky. Hey Big Boy. Uzma Kappa. Original Loki Faded. Only Real Love. Interstellar Machine. Art Goblin 666. Foolish Boy Sings. Pablo Malverde. Como estamos? The Evil Cat. Cheeky Lizzie 24. Shaggy Roger the Stoner. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Pixie Ocean Dust. Don't Mind. Pop Punk Nurse. Miss Almond, La Lumiere, Sunshine Soul Vibe, Mocha Fawn, Kit Kat 131, Baby Scarlet, Killjoy 7006, Queen Savage 1000, Screwbolt, or Pretty Lady with the Green Eyes, Big Dan 26, Liz Moon, Madame Mystic 444, Sturmgeist, Five Star Kit Kat from Meet Me, Boss Lady Streamer from Meet Me and Mr. No Comp from Meet Me. Thank you guys for supporting this podcast. Patreon.com forward slash from under the apron podcast. Get your name shout out. Support the podcast. Check out the show notes for links to other podcast trailers that you heard on this episode. Send us a message of your favorite wrestling stories, questions, comments, ratings, or requests at our email. It is from under the apron at gmail.com thank you for listening join the live and being a huge part of this community tell your friends join us next time for more behind the scenes stories movies and tv show reviews when we come to you from under the apron i'm evil i'm proud of y'all and i love your